Good morning, Friends Church. Welcome. So wonderful to see everybody today and, of course, those of you who are viewing online. My name is Alita. Um, I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. So first of all, let me say thank you to those of you who are getting involved, have been involved. And if you've been here for a while and are wondering how you can get more involved, um, we really rely on the charitable giving to be able to do the amazing things that we do here on Friends Church. And you you can um, do that online at www.friendschurch.ca. You can do that on our Friends Church app, which is the spiritual gym. I love that. And also the black box at the back. We love our uh, pre-authorized giving because that really helps us plan and know how much is coming in and being able to balance our expenses in that way. A reminder, too, that uh, now that we're back full swing into January, we have our small groups started up again. So if you're looking for a way to connect with people, to get involved. We have a whole bunch of different ones, um, so just have a look on our website. Great to see you today. Thank you very much, Alita, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. It's good to see your faces. You're the brave ones. You're uh, defeating Omicron just by being here, I'm sure. It's, that's, uh, I shouldn't joke. There's many people that are have been afflicted. It has touched my home as well, and we've come through it. But it's great to see your faces. And if you're online watching us from wherever you are, we, we hope you're staying healthy and enjoying this with us. Um, if there's one thing that bothers me, and maybe it's you too, I hate going to find my keys when I'm ready to head out the door, and they're not there. Now, I have a spot, all right? I, uh, there are actually two spots that I will typically... Anyone else like that? No. When I come in the door, my keys go right there. I know where they are. Whatever, right? But then there comes those moments. Maybe someone in the family borrows my truck, whatever. I go to my spot. Not there. I go to my other spot. Not there. And then I kind of start scanning, which feels like an hour. I'm scanning. It might only be a couple seconds, but it feels like a long time. And then instinctually, Kathy tells me, I will raise my voice uh, 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 gently, I tell her, uh, and ask, Kathy, have you seen my keys? I don't know why, but she's never on the main floor or right beside me when I'm looking for them. And... Uh, she, I, I can hear her saying something uh, somewhere up in the house. I'll say, Kathy, have you seen my keys, darling? <laughs> she doesn't think, it sounds like that. I'm sure it sounds like that. She says, they're right at the back door. Well, we have garage, a door that goes into the garage, kind of a quasi laundry room there. She says, they're at the back door. <sighs> okay, honey. So I go down there and I take a quick scan and then I gently <laughs> see they're not there. She says they're right there. And I think she's very angry at that point. She's telling me. I'm using nice tones, I'm sure. I say, no, they're not. They're not anywhere here. I, uh, they're not. So finally, I can hear her coming downstairs. She comes around the corner. She thinks I'm looking angry. I think I'm quite 
relaxed. And she reaches over and like magic pulls those keys right out from under some towel. Pulls them out. I'm just like, how did you do that? To which she'll often say something very insensitive like, try lifting up a towel and looking. I know, it's hurtful. It's hurtful. She is quite remarkable, the way that she can find things. Anyways, looking for keys is a lot like what I think people experience often on the spiritual journey. They go looking for some kind of experience, perhaps. A meaningful moment. Something that grounds them, that takes them deeper, that gets them feeling or experiencing something wider, more than something sacred. I don't think many of us really know where we're going to find it or what it's going to feel like when it happens, but we go into this thing with this kind of this excitement that it's, something's going to happen. And, and maybe you show up here on a Sunday going, yeah, this is the start of my journey, or this is my intentional piece. I'm, I'm, go, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to find this thing. And maybe you'll even listen to people like us up here talking about things that you can do, where to go. We say, ah, it's right over here. It's right, or it's right there. And then you, you go out with these instructions, and it's like, Where did you say it was? I, this isn't, you know, normal life takes over and it's, it's like it feels so different. It's, it's a mystery. And many will go out and they'll try different things, hoping to find, to experience, and then conclude, this is a tease. This is... This is unobtainable. This is a myth. They're talking about this like it's tangible. No, it's not. And many will just walk away from it altogether. This morning, I want to talk about a spiritual practice, almost like a hack, if you will. One of many, of course, that are available. But a spiritual practice that has helped many people recognize and encounter divine moments that are right there in the midst of your everyday lives. It's, um, it's, a, it's a spiritual practice that's been around for thousands of years and it's helped people find the proverbial keys that are right there. This hack, this practice, if applied has enough transformative power to snap you out of a funk you can find yourself in. It can bring out something beautiful in us. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, our Jewish ancestors talked about it. They prioritized it in their lives all the time, it seems. At least from the writings in the Bible, the authors speak of it often. And I'm betting that some of you have done this. In fact, I'm betting some of you are practicing it on the regular and you're already experiencing the power of it. Some of you are doing it and not realizing 
even the power of it. You're just experiencing it. But there would be some that will listen to me that this is not something you would do often. It's something that maybe you find very difficult to do, which I'm hoping maybe today you will start a process of reversing to learn it and, and, and to practice it or apply it more in your life. In case you're just joining us, we've been in the middle of a series called Reaching for More, exploring ancient rituals and festivals that the Jewish people have engaged in for thousands of years. Rituals that somehow led them into deeper and sacred experiences of the divine that altered their lives in different ways, in meaningful ways. It must have because they, they perpetuated these rituals to the point where they still do them today, thousands of years later. They're spiritual practices. First week I spoke about Yom Kippur, um, the importance of fresh starts and clean slates and how that can propel us into the future. It can drive our motivation. It can give us courage to face new days that lie ahead. Last week, Vince talked about the practice of Sabbath. And specifically, he looked at one expression of Sabbath that involves finishing off things in your life that maybe you've left undone. This week, I want to explore a Jewish ritual um, that's much less known than Yom Kippur and the Sabbath. It's called Tubishavat. Tubishavat. Otherwise known as the New Year for the Trees. I don't know if you knew this, but the ancient Jewish people were extremely dependent on the land, on trees, on vines, groves, the grains of the field. This was their sustenance. It was literally their survival relied on the fruit and the nuts and the grains came off the earth. It was a means to their survival. So they gave utmost priority to these plants and trees. Every, uh, like regularly, they were systematically planting new trees, always making sure that there was always going to be enough. There was one particular rule that they made for themselves regarding these new planted trees that they would plant. They'd say, no one can, can harvest the fruit off of these trees or these vines or whatever until they're at least three years old. So they would literally watch the calendar measuring or timing when this, the fruit of these new trees had come into maturity after three years. So according to Jewish mystic tradition, every year at the end of the rainy season, when the ground was saturated with water, they believed that God renewed sustenance. It was like he, he initiated the life cycle for the trees again. The creator would begin turning the wheels of nature. Trees would come alive again, sprouting shoots that would soon provide fruits and nuts and all kinds of food, ensuring that they would survive another year. So at this time, every year, they would hold this festival called Tubishavat. It was the new year for the trees that marked the start of a new year. They would throw on this massive feast featuring all the harvested fruit from those trees that were coming of age, all the vines that were coming of age, 
all the grains. Like three years later, they're going, all right, let's go. In the fourth year, they'd pick all this fruit and they'd throw this massive feast. Olives, figs, lemons, pomegranates, wheat, almonds, walnuts, apples, dates, grapes. There was over 30 different kinds of fruit that they would list as that would be a part of this massive feast. And as they sat around these beautifully adorned tables, they would acknowledge and celebrate what this fruit had done for their livelihood. What these trees and vines and whatnot had provided for them. And they wouldn't just celebrate this fruit, but they would actually take it deeper and they, they would find spiritual metaphors as they looked at what these fruits, the character, unique characteristics of these fruits, and they would apply spiritual metaphors to their own lives. They would talk about grapes, how they can be used as raisins, but they can also be used as wine. They'd say in the same way, each of us as individuals can be, have different expressions, different unique identities that come alive at different stages in our lives. They would talk about apples, how they take 50 days to ripen. They say in the same way that an apple takes that time to mature, each of us as individuals season and mature, take time to experience and realize our own potential. I didn't know this, but apples, actually the fruit grows before the leaves. Did you know this? Uh Didn't know that. And they would say, so too is our lives much like the apple. Because there are times when we are living out our spiritual journey. We're taking actions. We're doing things that we don't yet really understand the significance of. And so we do. And then later, sometimes the understanding begins to fill in. And it all begins to make sense. We don't wait for the understanding. We act first. They had a saying, we will do and then we will hear. So they had all these different rituals and celebrations that would follow this Tubishavat, this celebration of the trees, this new year. You know, as I was reading through this thing, I was thinking, geez, I wondered why they would take so much time and energy to talk about these kinds of things. But underneath it all, it was a ritual designed to cultivate deep gratitude. Gratitude toward the earth, toward the trees, the forces of nature that provided so beautifully for them. Probably more than anything, gratitude toward their creator, who they believed in their understanding of the world was behind it all. So I got thinking about this festival and I was thinking, geez, if we were doing that today, would it have the same impact? I mean, we don't have the same level of connection to the ground to the land, to the fruit. Shoot, some of us go on Instacart and we order our groceries. We don't see where, we don't see them coming off the ground. We don't even see them coming from the store. They just show up at our door for most of us, you know? It's like the, our connection to the fruit and the food that we're provided is probably at an all-time low. But I did begin thinking about just sheerly practice of cultivating gratitude not just for our food sources but for those things in our lives that are just beautiful and good not just things either but people cultivating gratitude for the people in our lives too 
you know, I sat over lunch with a friend a little while ago. I hadn't seen him in a long time. COVID kind of eradicated that for quite a while, but we ended up getting together over lunch. And, you know, as, as normal, you get together with someone you haven't seen in a while and you're catching up on all the different things, events, standout things that have happened over the last couple years in our lives. But then we got to this point where we had pretty much exhausted that stuff. You know, they say there's, there's most times we're willing to talk about the 90% of our lives, but then there's the 10%, the not so nice, the low lights, if you will, not the highlights that we rarely want to talk about. And I don't know, for whatever reason, I just, something had really been bothering me and it had nothing to do with this guy, but it was heavy on me. And I didn't even, I wasn't even going to bring it up and talk about it with him, but I did. For whatever reason, I just said, I got to tell you about something going on. And I don't even want to tell you about it because I think there was some shame around it, but I trusted this guy and I, and I began to open up with him and man, he, his words, right, right off of my story, he began telling me a similar story. I just like, it just set me at ease. And he offered me a little counsel saying, take it from me. I, I, I walked away from that lunch. I got into my truck and I felt this gratitude. I didn't even realize I walked in with the 250 pound pack on my bag, but it was gone. I was just feeling great. And I started thinking about this friend of mine and what a gift he had been to me. Remember getting home that night and sending him a text saying, you, you can't know how much I appreciate you and your friendship. You know, that, that gratitude that began to overwhelm me, I, it, it led me to just thinking about different people in my life who have been like that, who have unannounced, unexpected, have just spoken things into me or they've encouraged me or they protected me from making a mistake I didn't need to make. Sometimes these moments of gratitude, they're, they're palpable. You just go, whoa. <sighs> yes, thank you. Sometimes they're just subtle. I watched one of my boys over the Christmas holiday express his gratitude to my wife, Kathy, for her home-cooked meals. He hasn't been living, from, living at home for a little while. And there was one dish that she made. He said, Mom, no one makes this like you. She said, he said, I, I've ordered this in some of these different places. I love this. I watched what he did for Kathy in that moment. See her beaming, just to feel it. But I watched in my son how as that gratitude began to grip him, just the way that it shifts his attitudes, just changes his demeanor. If you felt that, if you felt those moments when gratitude just kind of perks up and it's just like all of a sudden it just feels different. Life feels easier. Sometimes it's not people that it happens 
between. Sometimes it's just acknowledging some beauty around you. Every now and then I'll get a text on my phone and it's Kathy. She's on her way to work. She leaves really early. And I'll hear my phone go off and I'll look. And she'll say, did you see the sunrise? And she'll send me this picture. I don't even have to see the picture, but to hear her, see her, she often she'll say, OMG, did you see this this morning? Just picking up that text and looking at it, it does something for me. I can feel the overwhelm, the excitement. I look at the picture and I'm going, oh, I can only imagine what you were feeling when you looked at that this morning. Have you ever noticed how expressions of gratitude and feelings of gratitude land on you? When was the last time you felt this sense of gratitude kind of move in? Where you just noticed something that was just so good? Maybe it happened during that cold snap. And you went out to your car and you sat on your heated seats and you went, oh, I love you. Maybe it was when you poured a glass of wine and you swirled that around, your favorite glass of wine. And you smelled it and you sipped it. Maybe it was a Tim Hortons cup of coffee, first one in the morning. I don't know what your thing is. Whatever it is, and it touched your lips and it lit up your senses. You just went, oh, love that. Maybe it was someone in a store that was just showed some kindness and it was unexpected and you felt this, ah, oh, look at that. Oh, that was beautiful. You saw some post on social media and you just went, oh, oh, that just touched me. You felt something. You know, gratitude, when, it, when you really boil it down, it's just simply an affirmation of goodness. You give your attention You've, it, to something. You feel appreciation for something. You acknowledge the goodness of something. It's that effort to notice the good. To acknowledge it. To affirm it. You go, oh, that right there, that is amazing. What you did there, oh, thank you. Oh, look at this. Is this not unreal? Oh, feel that sun. Oh. Do you remember the last time when you got overwhelmed by gratitude? How it felt in your body? You know what? I had no idea how healthy this thing called gratitude can be for you. Did you know this? The scientific evidence now for the effects of gratitude on our own bodies, our own minds, our own souls, now the mounting evidence is unbelievable. I, I'm just doing some research on it. They, they say one study conducted by a team of researchers from several universities found that participants who exib exhibited higher levels of gratitude over little things scored significantly higher levels of patience. It produces patience. Another study found that gratitude improved resiliency. Those who practice gratitude regularly experience much more positive outcomes after trauma, traumatic experiences. Did you know that? 
builds resiliency. Um, some studies have suggested that it reduces envy and jealousy, shifting people, their focus away from that which people have that they don't, to allowing them to sit and acknowledge what they do have. They've proven that, that gratitude creates more optimism. It leads to being more forgiving. Gratitude actually helps people battle depression. Increasing the hormones, those feel-good endorphin hormones. It actually has helped people recover from addiction. I could go on and on. I was reading through these volumes of, of, of different effects that they've now linked to gratitude. Perhaps this is why the writers of the Bible spoke so often about challenging people to give thanks, give thanks. Now, in their world, it was, all, it was so often directed toward their understanding of this God character, this super being out there that was turning the levers and making everything happen in their world. All the good things. The sun, look at God was behind it. Give thanks, give thanks. They didn't necessarily outline the science behind it or explain necessarily what it was doing for them. But they talked about these acts of gratitude all the time. Perhaps they knew what we're knowing now more empirically. Whether you direct it toward this universe, to the more than, to, to a, a godlike figure out there, if that's your belief system, or whether you direct it toward a person, whether you direct it toward nature, whether you direct it toward that dark chocolate that you're sipping on and going, oh, I love you. It doesn't seem to matter. The act of simply acknowledging goodness does something inside of us and in those around us. But here's the thing. It ain't automatic. It don't just happen. Excuse my English. Most of us can find ourselves most times so distracted or irritated or annoyed by things that are going on in our everyday lives that practicing gratitude can almost feel like torture. You know what I'm saying? It can become almost the last thing you want to do in the middle of the stress or in the middle of the focused busyness to just stop and go, oh, well, isn't that nice? That's not a natural response for some, some more than others. But oftentimes, gratitude seems like the lowest thing on the list, doesn't it? I don't know how many times we've been driving through all this beautiful scenery and I am so in my head thinking about things I got to do, thinking about that next message I got to write, and this and that, and oh, I forgot about talking about, and Kathy was like, oh, look at the beautiful eagle. I'm like, would you not say that so loud? Scared me. I, I'm just like oblivious. Oh, look at the mountain, look at the waterfall. It's, it's like, I'm trying to drive here. That is a metaphor for what often my life can feel like. How about you? And right there is this beauty. Right there are the keys. And I'm staring at the towel going, no. It's, um, it takes energy. And it takes a switch. I was thinking about this. You know, life, you, you put on goggles. I would put these all on, but... Mess up my hair and 
it's like we're looking at life like this. And often the lens that we're looking at just sees everything that's wrong. Isn't that true? Man, I can pick. Uh, someone says, hey, look at Jeff. I, I, I can tell you what went wrong this morning. I'm saying, that's, that doesn't take an intelligent person. I could have told you what was wrong this morning. Sometimes what it takes is you, you have to kind of pop out the lens. And you, then you, you apply a different lens. And you go, oh, oh, there's the good. Oh, life looks so much different when you're wearing this lens. It is like a lens that you intentionally shift and you say, no, I'm looking for something else today. I'm looking, I want to catch my kid doing the right thing, not the wrong thing. I want to I notice the things that my partner did today that really I admire and not the other category. I'm going to catch my employees. You know what? I'm going to quit noticing on all these bad drivers and I'm just going to notice those Rocky Mountains in the... How many know what I'm talking about? It is a mental switch you have to hit and it isn't natural. I could talk about this time blue in the face but the truth is I've, I watched a documentary a little while ago. Um, it was actually a video, um, a TED Talk, on, this, on everything that I'm talking about this morning. It so impacted me, I saved it. I went, that, that, that needs to come out. We need this challenge. So what you're going to watch now is really it's a meditation on gratitude. And it's lengthy. It's about 10 minutes. So I'm going to invite you to just sit back And I want you, while you're watching, just to imagine, or no, just to think about what lens you are normally wearing. How often you wear this other lens, this gratitude lens. And I want you to think about how much it could impact your life and the lives around you if you chose to wear it a little longer. Go ahead and show this. And I'll just briefly come back and close it all up after. I I would invite you to practice to Bishavat. And whether you have a bunch of fruit and nuts and grapes and figs and lemons sitting across the table or you have images of people in your life, of things in, in your life right now that you're just grateful for. You think about the people, the friends, the neighbors, the coworkers. Maybe you think about the material possessions that have allowed you to do the things that you do, the things that you've been able to do in your life, the places you've gone, maybe just simple things. But I invite you this week to take a moment, and you don't have to set aside a whole day, maybe it's a five-minute window each day to develop a practice where you just, you put on the right lens And you look across the table at everything that has meant something to you. And you just affirm it. You just acknowledge it. May we be a people that practices gratitude. May it become so naturally a part of our being. So that we not only experience all the benefits of it, but we bless those around us. That's my wish for you today.
have a great day, everyone. We're going to close now. Um, next week, Vince is coming back with the final installment in our um, Searching for More series. We hope you'll come back and enjoy it. We know it'll be good. Have a great day. And oh, yeah, don't, don't forget to check out our website for all the connection groups that are relaunching here this January. There's a number of them. If you want to get involved, there's a way to do that, all right? Great. Have a great day, everyone.